Welcome to Community Hope Podcast. We pray that the Word of Christ would dwell in you richly as you listen and that you would be encouraged in Christ. Hey, uh, welcome everybody. So, although I've been cleared that I could be back in person, I just wanted to practice an abundance of caution and keep to the original plan of being gone for two, uh, two weekends. So I'm going to record the sermon as you're listening to it now. And if you have a Bible with you, grab it, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and you can follow along. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you are intimately acquainted with myself and each person listening right now. And as we move into Thanksgiving week, I pray that the words that I speak would be from you, that you would increase our knowledge of you through this message. Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen. So some years ago, I was in Holland with my family visiting my brother who was on staff at a church in 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 Amsterdam and, and I get there and he says so tonight Doug we're gonna uh, have an event at church and it's a karaoke event I'm like what and he said uh, yeah I signed you up to sing and I'm like I've never sung karaoke he goes don't worry we're gonna sing together and I said oh what are we singing and he said, you are so beautiful by Joe Cocker. And so here we are up on stage, looking each other in the eyes. By the way, if I haven't told you, I'm an identical twin. Singing Joe Cocker's, you are so beautiful to me, to each other. And it was hilarious and it was fun. And I've never sung karaoke ever again. And I was thinking that as I read through chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians, Paul is dealing with his critics. And when you and I deal with criticism, unless we know that Jesus looks at us, that the Father looks at us and sees the beauty that he sees in his son Christ, we're going to not have the resources that we need to deal with the criticism that naturally comes our way. Unless you're grounded in this deep gospel love of Jesus Christ, criticism will go even deeper and even destroy you. So let's look at the passage. The scripture goes on and they are questioning the Apostle Paul's uh, apostolic ministry. They're, they're saying, hey, you're not really an apostle. And the apostle Paul says, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Uh, have I not seen our Lord Jesus? Are you not my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I'm not an apostle, at least I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. And this is my defense to those who would examine me. So you got these people and they're actually questioning the Apostle Paul's apostleship. And anytime you and I face criticism, I think it's important to realize 
that there's two opponents that are coming against us. And one, of course, is our critic, but the other opponent is ourself. I mean, when you get criticism, if you don't realize what's going on inside of you, you're going to be defeated by your own emotions and your own passions. One of the biggest dangers of receiving criticism isn't your reputation, it's your heart. You feel the injustice of it and you feel sorry for yourself and it tempts you to despise your critics. And if you're not aware and if I'm not aware of what's going on inside of us, man, is that difficult. You know, James writes, my beloved brothers, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not produce the righteousness of God. Can I tell you, that, that is a verse I have memorized. Because I'll t when I get criticized sometimes, I can feel my heart rate starting to go up. And I need to say to myself, man's anger Doug's anger does not produce the righteousness of God. I can't always think clearly when I get angry. I mean, it, it's so difficult. Now, some things that I do to help, one of them is to remind myself, first of all the mistakes, all the foolishness, all the cluelessness things I've done in the past, the things that um, I've really done wrong. Like in the midst of getting this to go, yeah, this person, you might not think that what they're having to say is right, but think of all the stupid things you've done and you've said. And it kind of pushes you down a little bit. And then, right in the midst of it, say a prayer for your critic. Maybe it's a, a Facebook critic and it's different because you have some time and you, to respond. But maybe they're right there and you can go, Lord, pour your grace upon this person. They don't really know what's happening and how it's affecting me. Like, just pray for that person right there, right then. John Newton says this, he says to a, a friend who was in a theological uh, kind of debate, and, and he was writing John, like, John, how do I handle my critic here? John said, your aim, no doubt, is good, but you have need to watch and pray, for you will find Satan at your right hand to resist you, and, and he will try to debase your views. And though you set out in defense of the cause of God, if you are not continually looking to the Lord to keep you, it may become your own cause and awaken in you those tempers which are inconsistent with true peace of mind and will surely obstruct communion with God. Man, John has a good word. He's like, friend, the evil one is right there. And somehow what he wants to do is make you so closely identify with the cause and the criticism and to, to take it so personally that that your your eyes aren't on Jesus anymore. That the peace that you get from the Holy Spirit is long thrown out the window and here you are. You know, I, I think the word that we have today for all this is when you're criticized, be self-aware. Uh, understand you're one of the opponents you have to overcome, your own workings, what's happening inside of you. So important. The second thing I think uh, you want to look at or I want to point out is why were they questioning the Apostle Paul's apostleship? 
Why were they coming at him so hard? And you know what it had to do with? Money. Now, if you're not familiar with this passage, you're going to probably go somewhere when you start talking about the church and money or church leadership and money to a different place where the Apostle Paul goes. You know, they were actually saying to Paul, listen, if you're a real apostle, you would be supported by the people you serve. So Paul didn't get his support from the people that he was reaching and the people he was serving. He, he made tents. He was a tent maker and he got his financial support that way. And they were saying, wait, all the other apostles and even Jesus himself was supported by other people. I don't, I don't know if you knew this. Uh, in Luke 8, we read Joanna, whose husband, Cusha, was Herod's administrator, Susanna, and many other women. They provided financial support for Jesus and his disciples. So these guys are like, wait a minute, Paul. You're not like Jesus and the other apostles. They, they get financial support from the people and if you were a legit apostle, you would be supported by the people. So how does Paul address it? And this is kind of fascinating. He affirms their objection. He says, for it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it for the oxen that God's concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher should thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much to reap material things? This is kind of fascinating. So they're going, Paul, you don't get money from the people that you are blessing and serving. And Paul says, yes, the people who do ministry deserve to be paid from the ministry. It, he affirms what they're saying to him. And you know, when you're criticized and I'm criticized, I think one of the best things to do right away is to say, is there any truth in this? Like what they're saying to me, is there any truth? I mean, even if it's 2%, is there something I can learn from it? And being able to look the other person in the eye and say, you know, you might be right in that. Let me think about that. You know, so sometimes you get criti criticism that is totally unfounded, but you can still respond, you know, let me think about that for a minute. Give me some time with that. There might be some truth in it. See, and the Apostle Paul affirms that what they're saying, even though it's it's not right. You know, one scripture that comes to mind when I receive criticism is Psalm 141.5. Let, let the righteous smite me, it is kindness, and reprove me, it is oil upon the head. Do not let my head refuse it. And it's like, Lord, may... May the righteous, may the person who is rebuking me, may I take it as kindness. Uh, another scripture, kisses of an enemy are profuse, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. You know, there's times where we're just blind to things and a good friend will be able to gently and sometimes not so gently 
point it out to us. And even if it isn't a friend and it's somebody who really doesn't have good things in mind, they may actually see something that you don't see at all. And it's good to listen and it's good to affirm any truth that's in it. And that's what Paul does. And then he gives them an answer. Uh, he, he says in verse 14 and 15, in the same way, the Lord commands those who proclaim the gospel that they should make a living by it. So he's still agreeing, like, listen, you're right. Apostles, people who do the work of the ministry, they, they should make a living by it. But then he goes, but I have not used any of those rights and nor am I writing these things to secure your provision. So Paul is saying, you know, I have the right to, to be paid by and supported by the people that I minister to, but I'm not going to use it. And I'm, 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 I'm not going to. And I think it's always important to give an answer back to our critics. Sometimes it's as simple as let me think about it. Other times you need to speak the truth. And when I think about that, um, I think about this verse that's in um, Proverbs. You know, the book of Proverbs almost didn't make it into the Bible. And it's because of this, these two verses, back to back. You see, Proverbs 26 verse 4 says, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. So there's times when you're criticized and it's better just to keep your mouth shut. You don't have to answer back. You can say, oh, you know what? Let me think about that and diffuse it. But then there's other times where a proverb, Proverbs 26, 5, seems to say something totally different. He says, answer a fool according to his folly or he will be wise in his own eyes. You know, here's the reality of life and the Bible understands it, it's, it's complex. There's sometimes where it's better to keep your mouth shut. And sometimes it's better to give an answer. Sometimes you answer your critic like the Apostle Paul does and other times you, you don't. I mean, this is just the way it is. The, the Apostle Paul went on and he says, for if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not uh, of my own, I'm entrusted with a commission, what then is my reward? You know, and the Apostle Paul is saying here, he says, guys, I'm not, I'm not using the right that I have to be supported by you or supported by the people I minister to. He says, because I feel like if I take support from them, it'll be like a job and I'll feel compelled to do it because I'm getting paid and I want to do it for free. I want to, I don't want to have any mixed uh, motives in it. I just want to do it for free. And, and that's his answer to the people. And it's actually a really good one. And then he goes on and he actually redirects them. He, he refocuses their perspective. And he says, for though I'm free, this is verse 19, with respect to all, I've made myself a slave to all so that I may win more of them. To the Jews, I become a Jew in order to win the Jews. 
to those under the law, I become like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so that I may win those under the law. And to those outside the law, I become as one outside the law, though I am not free from God's law, but under the law of Christ, so I may win those outside the law. To the weak, I become weak, so that I may win the weak. I've become all things to all people, that I might by all means save some. And I do it for the sake of the gospel, so I may share in its blessing. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets a prize? So run to win. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training, so they do it to get the crown. And that crown will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. You know, what's so amazing to me is Paul is saying, guys, I run for a prize. I, I run for a blessing. And, and as I was reading this, I had to ask myself, what is this blessing that the Apostle Paul is working so hard for? He says, you know, I, I may not get paid, but I'm a slave of everyone. Because my whole life is lived for one motive, and that is to get this crown and this blessing. And so I become as other people so I can communicate the gospel. But what is the blessing? I mean, is it just that he gets to be in heaven forever? What, what is the blessing? You know, I think some other scriptures will shed some light on this. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 6 and 8, and then down in 19 and 20, we read this. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. For what is our hope, our joy, our crown? Did you hear that? In which we glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes. Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory. You're our joy. And in Philippians, he begins the, the section of chapter 4 this way. Therefore, brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. Now, this is what's crazy. So Paul is being criticized. His critics are his crown. His haters are the ones that he's giving his life for. The ones he's trying to convince are the ones he's, he's, he's saying, these are the people whom I will spend eternity with in heaven. The next time you're criticized, consider that your critics might be your mission. 
that your critics, if they're believers, are going to be people that you're going to be in heaven with forever. Your, your critics might be your ministry and your crown. You see, the Apostle Paul, as Tim Keller writes, is saying this, I have these incredible blessings in the gospel. The passion of my life is to have other people, both people who believe and people who don't believe. I want them to have the joy that I have in God. I want them to experience that. I want to share the things I see in the face of Christ. I want to so reflect. I want to reflect the beauty of God to other people so they can have the same transforming view of glory and beauty that I'm looking at right now. So as you uh, move into this week and however you're going to experience Thanksgiving, I pray that if criticism comes your way, you will see your detractors as, as people who you may spend eternity with and experience the beauty. I, I pray that that the joy that you have tasted of in Christ would be, so, would be so foremost in your mind that you would say, Lord, I, I may hurt from this criticism, but my ultimate goal is that even those who are criticizing me would be with me in heaven with you. Will you pray with me? Jesus, truly let your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives just as it is in heaven. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Community of Hope, go to www.cohchurch.com. God bless you today.